0: I'm Deontay Burden, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort?
1: I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Bazley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk, I'm your host Andrew Schleck, we're part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com And with me today is my good friend Michele Barron, to what is up
0: Well, we had the first blowout of the season, it was uh, a great one We <laughs> <laughs> destroyed Golden State in a pretty, I don't know, fun fashion, I would say
1: uh, It was so much fun, I... <laughs> You know, I didn't think that this would be the first blowout of the season, that this is how it would go. You know, after watching this team lose to Washington at home and the way they played that game, I mean, I I know that the Warriors got destroyed by the Clippers, and I saw that happen, and you think, well, the Clippers are really good, and they had a lot of motivation to beat them in Golden State for the first game in the Chase Center. But then you start watching Golden State, and you're... Like, do they, do they know? Do they know they're playing a game here? Like, what's... Like, I'm, like, looking around. Like, what's going on here? Because... And this is something that Russell always did really well. And you have to give him credit for this. Is that he was always ready to play. And he always got people fired yeah. up to play. And I think the yeah. problem that the Warriors are having right now is that they have no fire. Like, I mean, no. none. And it was so apparent... Halfway through the first quarter, you are like, "Okay, the the Thunder yeah. are gonna win this game." <laughs> yeah. and it was it it that's just what was gonna happen. They were just they were going to win. I didn't know that they were gonna blow them out like that. I didn't know that they were just going to absolutely embarrass them. And some of that was that the Thunder had some really hot shooting uh, from some yeah. guys. Schroeder had a really great game, uh, but man, Golden, I am. If I'm a Golden State fan, I'm either worried that they're going to be horrible, or I'm excited about the tank. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I, I would probably, <clears throat> excuse me, be in in the latter, like excited about the tank for this team because man, they have how many NBA players they have on their team? Four.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, clearly they had no big guy. Uh, no relevant big guy and that's why I don't think that they are going to, to be as bad whenever um, Kim Looney and all this time will be back. yeah mm-hmm. because like to play with a guy who has no idea about like have play in an offense like in a, in a competent NBA offense in, in Marcus Christ money is what he I mean, he's a good shooter, but he, he cannot defend. And I think that Raymond Green resembles what Golden State is right now. I mean, he just, he just <laughs> said, well, we cannot win. We cannot play any defense. So why bother? I
1: know. Uh,
0: and they play like that. Maybe, like, if Steph has a better start. And that's why I think Terrence Ferguson game was so important mm-hmm. um, last night. Uh, well, yesterday afternoon. Um It's because uh, since Steph did not have anything going or at least like almost nothing going at the beginning, then like OKC basically had the game from from, like from the first quarter on. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they didn't play any defense and the offense was just Steph doing stuff and without any space to do those. So,
1: yeah. And I mean, Steph didn't look particularly motivated either. We talk about Draymond, but yeah. I, I don't think you saw. <clears throat> I don't think you saw a lot from either of them, which was a little bit surprising yeah. to see. Uh, I, 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 it was kind of almost jarring to see that neither of them cared. But let's get to some good Thunder things because, yeah, the Thunder have a star in the making on their team, and I didn't. I didn't know going into the season. You could watch stuff from him last year. You can even. Watch, um, you know, any kind of film on SGA, and you're like, okay. Oh, I thought I thought you were you were talking about Nader. (laughs) Dude, Nader is a black hole, just like an anti-star. He's just going to destroy anything that comes his way. Um, Yeah, sorry. But SGA, man, twenty-one years old. His, His stat line is his current stat line is pretty jarring after three games. 24 points per game, a 1.7 blocks, one steal, three assists, six boards. He's only 66% from the or 61% from the free throw line, which is a little, which is not great. Um, but averaging yeah. six attempts per game, um, which is pretty good for a guy his age. Effective field goal percentage of 57%, 57.9 from two, 37.5 from three on five attempts per game. I mean, McKelly he, he's averaging the most field goal attempts per game on the team. Yeah. He's, he leads the That's team. Surprising. In, I know. He leads the team in minutes played, field goals, field goals attempted, two point field goals. He leads the team. What else? In blocks. He has five blocks on the season. Uh, he's, I didn't know that he was going to be, I, I would have hoped that he could be a star and that he could be a building block. I had my doubts as to really what he is and what he could be. Uh the more I watch him the more I'm convinced that he's a shooting guard. And yeah. that-
0: well 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 I might disagree on that. But but go on.
1: Yeah. And and not that he can't play both positions, but I think that he might be better to, it might be better to have another guard next to him that can defend and shoot and handle as well. And he could be a primary ball handler, uh, but kind of, I mean, it's kind of like what Utah is doing for Donovan Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell, exactly. Donovan Mitchell's not a point guard, but you want the ball in his hands as much as possible. And so they had Ricky Rubio, which I, I think. I think wasn't the worst guy in the world to have next to him. It was just that he couldn't shoot, but he could defend, and he could facilitate, and he could score a little bit. But having a guy like Mike Conley, at least in theory so far, uh, is kind of the perfect guy. He defends, he shoots it, he's smart, he doesn't have to have the ball all the time. I think a guy like that next to SGA makes some sense, at least from what we've seen so far. And again, he's 21 years old. He could develop into one of the best point guards in the league. I don't know, but from what we've seen these first three games, his ability to score the basketball man is 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 astounding in some ways. The way that and he does it in a way that we haven't really seen because he can stop on a dime and shoot that mid range shot. He can get to the rim. He can he has that running scoop shot. Uh, his running layups, which he makes look easy, are incredibly difficult to get to that yeah. to get to the spot and not do it because we've seen what we've seen so far in the in the past 10 years is a point guard that gets to the spot by being faster stronger more athletic than everybody sga is different he does it by stopping and starting he does it by finding angles he does it he's very deliberate in everything that he does but he does it at a pace where you're like i can see everything he's doing and it looks he makes it look easy and that's To me, that's a mark of a true great player is that when they make really difficult things look easy, that's when you know, okay, this guy's really, really good and he can, he's hitting threes. He's is his three point shot is still pretty slow, uh, but Mm -hmm. he's, but it's effective enough at this point. And I think it's something that maybe he can speed up a little bit, but I don't know that it necessarily has to, um, Man, I, I can't say enough about him at this point because he's 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 much better than advertised.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had clearly a great summer, and on the top of that, you can see in the first three games, um, like the evolution of of a guy like that. Um, so basically, in the first in the first game, he was primarily a scorer like i don't think he really attempted uh, a fancy pass or uh try to really involve his teammates maybe maybe it's just bad shooting but but like you can see that in the last two games he's moving towards a role where he he's a threat mm-hmm. scoring wise mm-hmm. the defense are closing on him much harder and he's finding guys with his shot, with, with his passing, and so that's why when you said he's not a point guard, I said, well, maybe not a traditional one. Maybe uh, he's not Ricky Rubio, he's not Chris Paul, and he's surely not a guy like Mike Conley. But like, is James Harden a point guard? I, know. I, I think so. I think I think he can be the well. I would say maybe not a point guard, but the lead ball handler of the team, if that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, in some sense, Shea. Needs to have the ball in his hands to be effective. And I want him to have the ball. Uh, because, I mean, he can create so much space with his three ball. He can, he, he can shoot it. He will probably be able to pull it up from three. Now it's, 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 uh, it's shaky. He tried once or twice in this first three games and it wasn't very effective. But you can see the pull-up being there from like 18, 20 feet. So I think it will be something in his repertoire going forward. Uh, to what degree uh probably will determine how good of a player he ends up being. But uh but yeah so maybe not a playmaker, maybe not like uh in the in the um, like old sense uh of the word, but surely he can be the lead ballender uh on this team. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the, the the best thing is that especially Chris Paul are letting him do that. Even if they have the status to do way more. And yeah. so I think that this is the one of the best thing that we saw in these uh, first three games is that the team is okay with Shane being uh, the hot end. Yeah, and, and that's that's great. That this is great coaching. I mean, attacking his own like they did on Friday, not so much. Uh, but having like a um, a locker room of veteran guys that allow a guy coming out of a good rookie season, but not a great one to be their leader offensively? This is something incredible to me.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have thought. And I, I even predicted that he'd be a 20-point scorer before the season. And that was just that's honestly dumb luck that I predicted that. <laughs> I just yeah. I I was getting excited about him, but I was like, oh, "Okay, 20 points seems like a lot." And now it seems like not enough. Uh yeah. For what he could potentially do this season. I mean, he could average twenty-two to twenty-four points per game this season, yeah. and I don't think that that would be shocking at this point. Uh, and even as a, we talk about his offensive game, and I've been really trying my best not to compare him to James Harden um, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> One is that if he ended up anywhere close to the player that James Harden is, um, that would it would be a miracle. Because um, guys that get picked at, was we'll he pick eleven? Don't yeah. tur- don't turn into superstar MVPs like they don't. And so I don't no. want to put the expectations in the wrong spot. But he's also like we compared him to Donovan Mitchell. Also, not that he's the same player as Donovan Mitchell, but that he's like the same type of shooting guard that can needs to yeah. have the ball in his hands and can score off the dribble. But the Rockets have always put a point guard next to James Harden. And obviously yeah. today they still have a point guard next to James Harden, one that we know very well. And so Do we? he, oh, James yeah. Harden is the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands most of the time. But you can still see that the Rockets, he's, he's not a quote-unquote point guard. Like he plays next to another primary ball handler or a, a yeah. really good secondary ball handler almost all the yeah. time.
0: Yeah. And uh, back to the projection that we can have on Shea. I mean – it's okay not to put too much pressure on him. But on the other hand, it's okay to realize that if a guy on his, like on year two of his career averages more than 20 points in an efficient way. And he had something else together with that, like a few assists, um, like five to six rebounds, maybe a few steals. He also played a very good game uh, defensively, both on, against Washington and um on Sunday against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So if he has all this stuff, you are talking all stars. That's it. I mean, there, there are very few players that score more than 20, 25 points that can add multiple stuff and and be like winning players that are not, not all stars, mm-hmm. at least like a couple of times in, in, in their career. So that is where Shea's career is going. Like, there's no, you cannot be mistaken on that end. That yeah. he can like drop surely uh, he can have something going wrong in his career and like but but the path that he is showing us right now is that one yeah um, to go from there to being a superstar there's a lot to do because you have to drag a team you have to be consistent you have to be m- more of a threat like you have to score 30 40 uh, it's it's a different stuff uh, like to to be james harden it's it's different yeah but like Already, you, you, they picked at eleven the Clippers, um, and to get an All Star at eleven, it's not easy. It's not common. Um
1: no. the odds and, yeah, are I mean, really the, low. I mean, like in yeah. less than ten percent chance yeah. that, that yeah. he turns into even a even a guy that would be a fringe All Star type of guy, like a yeah. Drew Holiday. Like Drew Holiday's made one All Star team. Really good player, not a star. But he's a really good player. And, and to get a yeah. guy like that at that spot is really difficult. To get a guy that's exactly. going to make more than one all-star game, uh, which I think is in the cards for Shea, is tremendously difficult.
0: Yeah. And back to the game, I mean, I, I really loved how OKC made an effort to to get Gallo going uh, from the beginning. Yeah. And like, because, yes, Shea can be... Uh, your offensive focus whenever the defense is a little bit uh, on his toes uh, or on his heels uh, and uh, but but if you are if you have a scorer like Gallo a shooter like Gallo and you have him hot at the beginning then everything becomes easy and that's why it was kind of weird against Washington that Gallo end up end up with 10 shots mm-hmm. i mean Gallo should average at least 15 and last night he started started off Really, really hard. And that's beneficial also to Shea because the space that he has to operate is much more when Gallo he is a real threat uh, to, to the defense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gallo, uh, 11, 11 shots, 21 points. He was great. And he only had to play 22 minutes, which I think is yeah, great. Yeah, that's I th- why
0: he took 11 shots. Yes.
1: I mean, you look, at, you look at the minute totals, and I think that if you could have projected it, in a win, this is ideal to have Gallo yeah. only play 22, Adams 25, Chris Paul 19. Awesome. Because yeah, they have a they have back-to-back on the road in Houston. And really all you're hoping for is that they don't get embarrassed tonight. <laughs> like, that's, that's like you, you cross your fingers that the Houston Rockets don't embarrass them. Because the Rockets have been good to start the yeah. season. And so to have minute totals like that where you can play Baisley 26 minutes, you can play Ferguson 30, SGA 30. Uh, I think that's great. And also, you mentioned Gallo, like getting him the ball, being um, get, getting Gallo the ball in good spots like they did, getting him nine threes, which I think is a great number for him. You'd like yeah. for him to have nine plus threes per game uh, with a guy like that that can shoot it like that. Um, but Ferguson, getting him going, five of seven from the field, three of four from three, uh, two rebounds, four assists, and 13 yeah. Points like he was really good, and he looked more confident. He's such a confidence player. And I was yeah. answering questions on Twitter before the game, and people were like, "What are they going to pull Ferguson and put Diallo in?" I and mean, here's the deal: Ferguson, they the, the organization and Billy Donovan like Terrence Ferguson. They see him as a complementary player to good players. So, like you, yeah. you're they're not going to play Terrence Ferguson with Dennis Schroeder. And Nerlens Noel, that he's you might as well just wave him, in my opinion. Because I think that his confidence would be shot if he said, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and put Hami in for you. Um, yeah, I know. It would not be a good that, move be... mentally no. for him. I think Hami yes. is fine no matter what. Hami is just a yeah. guy that comes in, he's confident, he's gonna dunk on you no matter if he starts or if he's the twelfth man on the bench. Like he doesn't care. Terrence Ferguson's no. different. He, he, and you know, you look at the Westbrook story from last year as evidence of that. And I, I just think that you got to you got to stick with him. He played better as a defender yesterday. Uh, he played more confidently as an offensive player. Uh, he played more confidently putting the ball on the floor. And passing the ball, he looked so much better than he had in the first two games. And remember, this is the third game of the season. We're talking yeah. tiny sample sizes. Even with SGA, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're talking tiny sample sizes here. We, we haven't seen a whole lot. And so to, I mean, I know that th- this is the time of the year where people make the most mistakes in the NBA. Yeah. Is, yeah. is when you, you see what a guy has done in two or three games and you say, let's define the season that way. Good or bad. I mean, Kendrick yeah. Nunn may be a great player in the NBA, but I promise you people won't forget how good he is right now. And people will carry that through the season. Even if he goes on to shoot 30% from the field, people are going to remember Kendrick Nunn from the Heat as a guy that's a great player. Oh, I can't believe they got him. And then like, you get to yep. December and people are like, oh, I didn't realize he was shooting 30% from the field. I thought he was awesome. <laughs> you know, that's just, yeah. This is when like, imprints are made on people's minds about the NBA and about the NBA season. And so we have to be really careful with that and make sure yeah. that we're going game to game and watching guys. Because Ferguson, he's going to have good nights Three or four from three, awesome. He's gonna have zero 4 from three, and it may happen tonight. And so you just have to, especially with guys like Ferguson, who and people complain, oh, he's three and D, but he doesn't even have the three. He doesn't even shoot it. Give him time. Like go and look at every three and D player in the league. Even guys that are great shooters miss all their shots in games. When you're taking oh, four shots. Thompson,
0: yeah, Clay Clay. Thompson started last season. Awfully exactly like, at the point that in Chicago when he had like a three point barrage like a, I think it was like nine or fourteen he w- stared at his right hand and said thank you for being back or something like right. that so mm-hmm. so it happens to the best uh, and yeah I mean I, I fully agree with, with what you said on the, a tiny note on Shay the reason why I'm so comfortable like. Overly confident on shaking Louis Alexander is because now the stretch is a bit longer than three games. It's basically four games against the best team last year until Durant went off um, in during in, during playoffs time, yeah. and. The preseason was awesome, even better than what we saw now. Mm -hmm. And then we had like three games against one great defense. Like Utah, you can say that they have to fix something on the offensive side, and they probably do, but they are awesome defensively. And and the SGA had no problem scoring against them. And so um, maybe the consistency will not be there, and this is something that we surely need to check, but the potential is all there. And it's it's sustainable because he's not yeah. doing stuff that you say, "Wow, that's 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 lucky." Mm-hmm. You don't you don't you don't even think that when you watch him play, and that's why I'm so irrationally confident about him. Yeah. Um, no, no. You can I, say, I, I get
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, under, it, I understand your your point on SJ because he is. It's not like that stress that Schroeder had in February or January where he was hitting like 50 percent from three. It's not. Yeah. It's not like that. And so yeah. No, I'm with you.
0: <sighs> yeah. But at least we had a blowout. We had yeah. like a great game. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, I mean, it's it gives you confidence. Uh, what to do with that confidence and or with that win? I don't know because I yeah. I still don't know where this team is headed. But. I mean, if you look at, uh, at a guy like Gallo or a guy like Steven, well, Steven had a, like a rough three-game stretch. Mm-hmm. Probably there is something else going on that we are not aware of. Right. Um, but uh, those two players will showcasing themselves in the first two months of the season. I think that having a guy like Gallo that you can give the keys of the offense for 10 minutes and come back and see your team up 10, just because of his presence or... Roughly, because of his presence, is something that will be uh, in
1: demand mm-hmm. during oh. um, during the winter, and so right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, know, I you look for a guy that you can't really look at the trade market and say there's a lot of impactful guys on the trade market right now. Like, oh, if I could, we could yeah. go get that guy, like he could push us to the conference finals or to the NBA finals. And Gallo's one of those guys. He's on an expiring yeah. deal, and there's a lot of teams. I think. Because you look at the NBA, and I, I think the Clippers are really good. I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, But I don't think that they're so far ahead of everybody else that you shouldn't make a trade to try to get better. Uh, and especially as if you're a team that has a really good big man, and you can bring Gallo in and provide him more spacing, even in, in yeah. the middle... It's yeah. even more valuable because that's where the Clippers are going to struggle. Is that they don't have great big man, big men, and yeah. they don't have guys that are strong down there. And I, I think they're going to have to get somebody. Uh, And if they do, I think they'll be unstoppable. But for now, if you're a team, even like Denver, and you could somehow get Gallinari for like a Paul Millsap and a pick or something, and the Thunder already have one of their picks, but or some, yeah. one or two of their young players. I think that that's something that makes sense even for them. Um, Gallo said the Denver's' his favorite city. So that, yeah. that matches up pretty and, well.
0: And or a team like, and then I have to go uh, apologize for that. Yeah, I have no to be sure today. Um, what about a team like Phoenix? Let's suppose that they are uh, slightly over 50%. And they have mixed feelings about uh, Scharich. And they have a Johnson contract. Uh, No, um, I probably... Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, yes, Tyler. Uh, um, Like I I, I didn't remember the name. Uh, But anyway, you have a contract like that. And there is a guy like Gallo, where if things go south, you lost almost nothing yeah but if things are like right for you playing aton and having a guy like gallo gives you a ton of space and yeah. so i wonder if a team like that seeing the things are going the right direction wants to put something more uh into the season and maybe it could carry for like another contract and or on a silent trade to get some other player that you need i mean I think Gallo will be on the move uh, unless, again, something really unexpected happens. But
1: yeah, man, if, he, if the Thunder could prey on Phoenix, because that—I mean—that would be really sad if they thought if they're the team that gets Gallo. One, I feel really sad for Gallo. Two,
0: no, 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 there is his buddy, uh, my buddy Rick Foyce. They are very yeah, that's good true. Friends, that's true. So, I'm
1: just I'm just talking about sen- team scenario. I mean, yeah. Man, I mean, Phoenix can't get out of their own way. I don't know. Like they play, they played well so far. I just don't believe it. Yeah, I just don't believe
0: yeah. it. I I believe a little bit more. Let's put it this way:
1: you believe they, like they can make the playoffs?
0: More. There's. This is not completely out of the question. Oh
1: God! Okay, we you can't. We we have to maybe have an entire podcast where you explain this to me because I'm
0: I, I'm I am I don't know. Probably it's me trusting the coaching staff uh, more yeah. than anything. I, because I, they have a really, really good coaching staff. Yes. Uh, yes. And so if you rave about the development of the OKC players under Mark Bryant, under uh, Coach Darko, and you know what what kind of presence Monty Williams is in the locker room, mm-hmm. then you cannot say, well, since it's Phoenix, it's bullshit. No, no, no. That, this is a real uh, coaching stuff and the best coaching stuff Phoenix has seen uh, sure. since D'Antoni, and so that that plays a role and then they have winners they have like Ricky Rubio you can you can see how like you can see that he, he's not a shooter and blah 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 but he is a winner
1: yeah oh and, I, I like Rubio I think that the, the, the signing you have
0: yeah you have Baines you have tough guys and you have two very good young players um, maybe they will not Get to the playoffs, but I mean, I think there are scenarios where you can see them fighting for for a playoff spot yeah. and fighting with real chances, like like the Sacramento Kings last season. They they were in it, then they made a horrible move uh, in, in getting in Barnes, and they went out. Yeah. If they if, like, if a team like Sacramento last year makes the right move, they really fight for it. Fight. Yeah. For it. And maybe they get in. I don't know. I have to
1: go. Okay. All right. (laughs) McKelly. thanks for joining us. I'm going to answer some questions here, uh, but McKelly, thanks for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at MikeyBerry. He's got great game breakdowns. If you haven't seen those yet, please go check those out and uh, make sure you give him a follow. All right. I was going to stay on here and record... Some more content for you guys. You guys gave us some questions that we didn't get to yet, so I was going to answer some of those. But before we get there, I want to talk about the best wedding photographer in the state of Oklahoma. and Her name is Peyton Marie. You can find her on Instagram at Marie Photo. Her website is PeytonMarie.com. Peyton is an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Her photography style is non-traditional, genuine, and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be a true reflection of who you are, and that your wedding photos shouldn't look like anyone else's. Though she's based in OKC, she loves to travel anywhere for destination weddings and elopements. Right now, guys, and I've said this weekly, 10% off special for Down to Dunk listeners. Just tell them that you heard the ad on Down to Dunk, You'd love to have her be your wedding photographer, and she'll give you 10% off if you book a package in 2019. So the wedding doesn't have to be in 2019. You just have to place the order in 2019. So get on that, guys, because it's October 28th, and we're entering November, so there's not much more time to get this amazing deal with Pate Marie Photo. Support the people that support Down to Dunk, and go to PeytonMarie.com or at photo on Instagram. Our next sponsor is KP's Cleaning Services. They're a small local business. They service OKC Metro and surrounding areas. They're dedicated to giving clients a unique cleaning experience. I can speak from experience myself that they've come into my home and clean my home. And every time it looks amazing. I walk in the door. It looks so nice. My whole house just looks so nice. And it's just a great feeling to walk through your house and just every room be spectacularly clean. And that's what KP's Cleaning Service does. They are KP Clean. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search KP's Cleaning Service. Give them a call or text 405-290-8172 and get a free quote. I promise you, the holidays are coming up. Maybe you're having a Halloween party. Maybe you're having people for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And you need somebody to clean your house because you're running out of time. This is a busy time of year, and KP's Cleaning Service can make it easy for you. So support the people that support Down to Dunk, and go check out KP's Cleaning Service. First question is from at Live. He asks, how does total passes per game compare with last year, and what do you think about the three-point guard lineup so far? So total passes per game is the Thunder were I believe dead last last season in total passes. I think they were in the 240s last year. And so far this year they are 14th, which is just about as dead middle as you can get. 287.3. So they're up around 40 passes per game which uh, is significant. Uh, but it's not where you'd want it to be. Just for reference, 287 for the Thunder is the number. 2, 345 is where the New Orleans Pelicans are in passes per game. Also, passes per game doesn't make you a good team. The Golden State Warriors, who average the most passes or in the top three in passes per game uh, for what seems like forever, uh, 340 passes per game, and they're not doing so hot. We saw that yesterday. So it doesn't necessarily make you a great team, and also you've got guys like Shea Gilchrist Alexander who aren't passing the ball a ton uh, and are scoring on their own. And so Russell did, you know, they didn't make a lot of passes, but they were all meaningful passes. When the Thunder passed the ball, it wasn't to necessarily move the ball from side to side; it was to get the ball from point A to point B and get a shot. And that's why they didn't have many passes per game. This year, they're going to have to move the ball some, and we saw we've seen them move it all, all, quite a bit more than what we've seen in the past from Oklahoma City Thunder teams. But still, not close to elite. But you look at the first several, you got the Pelicans, Warriors, Raptors, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Pacers, Wizards, Cavs, Hornets. I mean, it's a mixed bag. So we got to keep in mind that passes per game doesn't equal good team. Uh, this is from at Ben Elephant King. Are you okay with SGA being a lead scorer versus a point guard if Chris Paul trade doesn't develop? And we talked, McKellie and I talked about this a little bit. I'm just not sure that he is a traditional point guard, and we discussed that more at length earlier. Uh, I'm okay with it, and in, in fact, if the Thunder had a chance to draft a good point guard in the draft, that's not necessarily like a scoring point guard. Hey, buddy. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them drafting a guy. Uh, it would be nice to have a Conley prototype <laughs> point guard. Hey, buddy. Um, and so I think that kind of player makes a lot of sense for the Thunder. i got my my one-year-old son here who wants to participate in the podcast. He's currently grabbing at my microphone and giggling at it. Uh, okay, let's see. Another question from Matt Ben and King. At what point in the season do you expect Pressy to start looking at disgruntled stars? What is the pressure point for teams? It's a really good question. Uh, and I think that at this point you kind of have to define where the Thunder are headed. Or where they should be heading, I guess, would be a better way to phrase it. The Thunder are in a, in a spot that is very interesting. Because they've got a boatload of assets. They've got 15 first-round picks in the next seven years. They've got a really good player in Shea Gilders-Alexander. Uh, they've got some other pieces kind of surrounding him that you're like, okay, I can see a path to them being good rotational players in the NBA. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo, uh, Darius Baisley. You can see the skill sets that all those guys have. Will they all make it to be 10-year like vets? I don't know. I think Ferguson probably has the best chance to be a 10-year vet out of all those guys, uh, but I think they could all make it and they might even exceed those expectations. I think that Baisley has a chance to exceed expectations beyond just role player. Uh, I think that Hami is questionable just because of his shooting, but if he can get that together or find a way to score consistently, then I think he's a guy that can be in, in rotations for a long time. Um, So they're in an interesting spot because they've got some young guys. They've got a ton of assets, and you could see them using those to go get a disgruntled star. Let's say the Timberwolves lose 10 games in a row, and we get to January, and Towns is upset. This is not where he wanted to be. This is not how he wanted things to go. He wants out. I don't think the Thunder are going to look at him. I, I really don't. Uh, same with even even a Devin Booker. Things look pretty good in Phoenix right now, Uh, but if things went awry and Devin Booker demanded a trade, he wanted it out, I don't think the Thunder are looking at him. I don't think the Thunder are going to look to trade for a disgruntled star. And it would have to be, if if they were to, it would have to be a young star, preferably on a rookie-scale deal. Both those guys are not on rookie-scale deals anymore. I think that's where the Thunder would be looking. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be looking at guys that are already on their second deals, because the the truth is keeping a guy in OKC is tough. And the market it's, it's not a it's not a fair playing field across the NBA. Now, does everybody playing by the same rules? Yes. Does everybody have this have the same advantages that everybody else has? No. I mean, you're in a big market, you've got big advantages. You're in a small market. You're at a disadvantage. That's just the nature of pro sports, and it's pro sports across the board. And the Thunder have to, they just have to be smarter than everybody else. And I think the smartest play is to play through the draft, get players to the draft. And I'm not saying that I think the Thunder can go get Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden again three in a row that hasn't it's happened once in NBA history. It's probably not happening again where you draft three hall of famers, bam, bam, bam. And then suddenly you're a contender. It's not going to be that way. But I think you have to look at what the Sixers did and say, that makes sense for Oklahoma city to try to be drafting in the top five multiple years. If you can get, you know, if you can get two out of four or two out of three, Uh, which would be ideal, awesome, then you can go with that team and have Shea Gibbs-Alexander and the the other two guys that you draft, and then you can go put role players around them. You've got still so many picks in the future that you can either trade or draft guys, and you can play the the long game here, and you're going to have guys under contract for eight-plus years, which is the dream. The dream is to build like they did before. It's not going to be as quick. I don't think... think if you ask Sam Presti did you expect the rebuild the first time to go so quickly I think that he would say no I think the whole league would say no like no one saw that coming Uh, and I think that there will be a slower rebuild this time and part of it you know part of what happened with the James Harden trade is that things got too good too fast (laughs) they didn't it's hard to evaluate um, what was happening, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the Thunder, but I think that they were trying to build a team that could contend immediately. While also, I mean, it was a it was a tough game to play for them, and they made mistakes along the way. And I think that they can learn a lot from the mistakes that were made. Uh, obviously, they had way bigger hits than anything else with the three stars they drafted. But I think they're we're headed for uh, some pain. <laughs> if, I, if I can be honest, we're headed for some pain. With the draft uh, Because that's how you get star players In small markets Is that you draft them And that's how you keep small you know, uh, Good players in small markets Is you draft them And you, you have outliers I mean people mentioned Indiana to me Like the Thunder don't want to be Indiana The Thunder And if, I, and if I'm a, you i know, I'm a Thunder fan I don't want the Thunder to be Indiana Indiana's not going to win the title this year, next year, the year after, they're not going to win the title. That's not going to happen. Do they have a good team? Yeah, they have a good team. I don't want the Thunder to be Indiana. I hope that you don't want the Thunder to be Indiana. I don't want the Thunder to be any of these bad, really bad teams either that stay bad. There are bad teams that stay bad, and it's for a lot of reasons. The Kings have been so bad for so long, and it's because, one, they continue to try to bring in guys through free agency. They're overpaying guys that aren't that good. And they make trades like for Harrison Barnes. And they sign Rajon Rondo. And they sign Marco Bellinelli to a number he should have never been signed to. They do all these things that just continue to undercut themselves and make them pick in the 8-10 to range rather than the top 5 range. Now, they did get Guys in the top five, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley. That's great. Like, those are foundational pieces. But then they go on to sign all these free agents this summer. When, if you're a Kings fan, you don't want them to lose. I don't. I wouldn't want them to lose more because they've been losing for a decade and it's gotten them nothing. But they don't have a plan. They don't have a real plan. They drafted De'Aaron Fox. Cool. That was great. That ended up being really great for them. Who knows? If if somebody else would have taken De'Aaron Fox before them, or if they had a chance to take Alonzo Ball or whatever, what would have happened? That's not the plan. Like they don't have a plan. Phoenix Suns don't have a plan. They are looking good now. They've got DeAndre Aiden, they've got Devin Booker. Awesome. That was luck for both those guys. There's no plan. There wasn't a plan for them. signed Ricky Rubio, $17 million. He's gonna be a helpful player to them this year, but at what cost? I mean, Michele has some hope for them, and I've, he's got to explain it to me a little bit more. But I just I don't see it. I don't see a plan. The Thunder have a plan. They're going to have a plan in place. And I promise you that. That's the way Sam Presti's always operated, is that he has a plan in place. Does it always work? No. Uh, but it worked pretty darn well for about a decade. And the Thunder are going to have a plan in place. And I don't think it includes trying to trade for guys. I don't think that it includes trying to sign guys via free agency. I think that it's a, and Presty said this in, in his little op-ed that he had in the Oklahoman. They're planning to rebuild the the what was it replenish and re, reposition replenish. It's something easy to joke about, but it's it's real. Like repositioning is moving the team from where they are today to the point where they can build up again, and to reposition them. They've got to trade Chris Paul. They've got to trade Gallinari. And I don't think that they'll trade Stephen Adams because I think the price is pretty high, but they might be trading Stephen Adams. like that, that might be a thing as well. Uh, I don't think that will happen this year, um, but I, I think that every player has a price, and that's a part of the repositioning, is gathering more assets. I mean, the Thunder could have 18 first-round picks over the next seven years before this is all said and done. That could be a thing. Even even a guy like Terrence Ferguson, who I think is a good player, uh, he's a guy that I think contenders probably would like to have either off the bench or starting. You know, Milwaukee would probably love to have a guy like Terrence Ferguson. Now, does the Thunder want Milwaukee's pick? Probably, probably not for Terrence Ferguson. I don't think that's quite quite enough for him. Um, and I know some of you are just rolling your eyes so hard at me right now. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but I think that this is the Thunder are heading toward repositioning the franchise and getting as many assets as possible um, and replenishing replenishing started with the Paul George trade they replenished their assets they've done that plenty and now they have to replenish the roster with young good players through the draft and I think that's I think that's the smartest way to play it and I think that's how, I think that is what they will do. And that's what Sam Presti has hinted at all along that there's a long term plan. There's long, it's, yeah, I don't know how many times he said long term. That's what, that's where they're headed. He said it, he said it many times. And so I don't want, I don't want people to get the idea that they could make a trade here in season and become, you know, the five seed. Like they probably could. They've got enough assets to go get a good player. Uh, they're not going to do that. They want, and and how many how many times have we heard sustainable success from Sam Presti through his tenure with the thunder that's what they're going for that's what they've been going for and they're going back to it and so this team while they were awesome yesterday and really fun uh, this is that's this is not the team i love gallinari i think he's a great player i think if you could have gallinari at age 20 they would they'd take him not at this age not at this stage in his career. They, they view him as a guy that they could build value for and trade. Same with Chris Paul. Build value and trade. That's why they're playing Dennis Schroeder. People are like, what do you think about Dennis Schroeder? What do you think about the three-guard lineup? Hey, hate the three-guard lineup. I hate it. I don't like it. It's not what I would choose to do. I don't think that it's helpful. I think there's way too much Dennis Schroeder. He was great yesterday. Cool. Don't like it. Put the ball in Shea's hands. That's what I want. If we're talking, what do I want the Thunder to do? It's not play Dennis Schroeder. But if you don't play Dennis Schroeder, you know what you do? You undercut yourself. And you show teams that, yeah, he's not really worth playing anyways. So you got to play him. you got to play him. Uh, that's all i have got time for today. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Thanks for listening. You guys are the best. It's good to be back. We'll be back with another podcast after this Rockets game shoot, guys. I didn't spend enough time on this. I didn't really spend any time on the Rockets game, but huge game tonight in Houston. I don't I don't love preview podcasts anyway, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But uh, if you... Uh, so listen in Wednesday. Alex and I will talk all about that game, probably for a solid hour, I would guess. So listen in then. Hope you guys have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.